Hello and welcome to Paper Tuesdays with Michael Dwyer and Mark Halpin. Today we're joined by our collaborator and good friend Connor Moore. How's it going, guys? Connor, how are you doing? Absolutely fantastic. Connor, I was in the queue for coffee and I did this thing where I've just started recently. I wrote a song for you. So here we go. Gather up your children from the gory district. This is not a drill, you're not gonna be tricked. Prepare to be amazed by the feats of one man. You thought you can't, now you know that you can because it's more, more, Connor, more. He's the drumming man. To be sure, better rhythm than the edge of you two. The best drummers couldn't buckle his shoe. Married to the ducks, he lives in Tara Hill. I heard that his singing can be shrill. A gory man to the bone. If you want drumming sound out, you should phone because it's more, more, Connor Moore. He's a drumming man, to be sure. Better rhythm than the edge of you two. The best of drummers couldn't buckle his shoe. Sticks and clicks and merch as well. He'd sell sand to the yards and gas to shell. He's a charismatic character and one of Gory's great guys. One thing's for sure, he's definitely not shy because he's more, more. Connor Moore, he's the drumming man, to be sure. Better rhythm than the edge of you two. The best of drummers couldn't buckle his shoe. Woo! My God. <laughs> I asked you, did, did you have anything prepared for the whole interview? You're like, no, I have an article there. That's <laughs> incredible stuff. You're just making mints of the rhythm and the. Oh my God. Maybe I'm not that talented. <laughs> my mother has been lying to me. <laughs> did you actually write that in the queue for the coffee? Yeah. Jesus. I had the, but it's funny though. Like That's some queue. I didn't know it's funny. It's funny that, you know. When I was in the car and waiting, I wrote a song for Connor, and I thought, do you know, there's there's a tune for Connor. You know, there was a tune for Flood that was Flash Flood because it's punchy and it's you know fucking wake up with you. And Connor Moore is like more, more. You know, it's more jazzy, it's more expressive, and yeah. that's you, Connor. That's I love you. It. I love, I love your um, what you call it, like your, you're in, you're so intense when you sing. <laughs> it's it's so. I don't know whether to be entertained or uncomfortable. Like it's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like loads of anxiety or something. Like, I love it. It's great. Yeah, but thanks for you guys for having me back. Thanks for the open theme tune. That's mm. that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> looking forward to the next one. Could you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking so, for the film seats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Since we've uh, had you on last, you you did two shows in the theater. Um, what did you take from Live's experience of performance? Um, uh, yeah, it was two for this year and one for last year. Um, it was it was definitely something I've never thought that I'd ever do. But then again, from being a musician and kind of looking to kind of build the CV as much as possible, I don't say no to anything. Like So always say yes to everything, even... As they say, you should always go outside of your comfort zone. And for a drummer to come to the front of a stage mm. and take the lead on things is, it's never done. No. And I think that was a bit of a selling point to those who did buy tickets, besides friends and family, people who kind of go, they were like buying it because, or they were buying a ticket because they kind of thought, I want to see what this is all about. So the curiosity of how does a drummer run a show? So I filled the show with uh, as much as as I could, but I have to say I was it was very strange when when I, when I, when I got the phone call from the committee, I was a little bit like I have a think about it, but then I had no reason to kind of not do it because they asked me to do it for a reason. Because if if they thought that they that it was going that it was going to work, if they were backing me, I was going to back myself. You know what I mean? Mm. Instead of me going to them, going I want to do a drumming show, and they go right, we'll give you a run. Do you know what I mean? I, I then I wouldn't have the confidence. Yeah. 
behind and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's a tough show on your own as a drummer. You're always depending on someone to take the lead to kind of feed off the energy, uh, to feed off the crowd f- for you and things like that. Mm. But you've to you've to talk, you've to catch your breath, you've to make sure that there's no silence throughout the show. Like if you're finishing on a bar on and you're trying to make yourself, or you you've to make your way over to like the kit, you've to fill that with constant talking and is everyone enjoying themselves and this next one this next track and i love this track and story behind this and this is how this all happened and you're constantly trying to keep a crowd entertained where as i always like my biggest fear of being on stage and also being in an audience is losing an audience member mm. for two seconds it's like me let, let's say i'm rattling on here and we're all chatting and then it just lulls to that you can lose someone straight away like and I hated yeah. that so I got I got really kind of um I got real what could you say particular about the whole performance and stuff mm. and then I kind of maybe kind of want to do more stuff like this and then I started writing shows like productions then over lockdown so I was in touch with it, a guy from LA I know him he doesn't know me but I'm looking to get to know him an awful lot more I literally just wrote out a show and he was like keep trying so I'm looking to like start writing productions and stuff I know it's mad coming from a solo show in the theatre and trying to set my standards even higher like Brilliant. so yeah that's yeah. that's how it's all been wow I'm not sure whether I answered your, your question but yeah uh, you're getting you to enough. a beautiful point there setting your standards higher I think that's kind of linked to fatherhood do you think it is oh, do you see wow. it um uh yeah it's kind of said i think you should always set your standards higher and i'm i'm a big i i'm 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 not a man for the motivational quotes on facebook you know always be a better person can't stand it it's like it's pure face like but i do i listen to a lot of um like sir alex ferguson and stuff like yeah like speeches and stuff at in colleges and I, actually my favorite one is brian cody mm-hmm. uh, brian cody said um he hates he he hates the term of be the best that you can be. He goes, therefore you're setting yourself a limit. He goes, that he goes, I detest that. He goes, never say I'll be the best. Always be better. So always like never say, I want to open up a drumming school and I want to have fifty students. Why why just have fifty? Why not have thousands? And hundreds and go online and just always expand and always be better but the fatherhood thing yeah setting a, a fierce benchmark but yeah it's <clears throat> we've always uh we've talked about it for years and yeah so we are six weeks out say so whenever this goes out we, I, I will be the keys will be right beside me the hospital bag mm. is packed and we'll be good to go so mm. um yeah looking forward to it yeah when i say it, i'm sure you get where I'm coming from, but it's just when when someone has something that's greater than them, they feel like they need to push themselves further. And that's what I see there. Like there's a player comes to mind and when he became a father, he actually played better hurling than he had before, I thought. You know, there's something yeah, else there. I think things kind of become a little bit more um, structured. Whereas as uh, parents now will always say you you will wonder what you ever did with your spare time like you know you'll you'll actually be thinking like what did i do at all like whenever you had all that time and now it's constantly like you know feeding and late nights and thing and things like that but yeah i'm i'm a 
I'm a bit of a stickler when it comes to schedules and stuff. Like I have, I have ridiculous things in on my calendar. Like, I mean, like, like call Mark Halpin for a catch up at 3.15 p.m. on Sunday the 17th. Like I'm ridiculous like, uh, like that. So yeah, there, there, there is a slight fear of like, I hope I'm not going to be like that. But yeah, I'm, I, I, I do want to be a little bit more structured in life and uh, I will be kind of better at juggling things. Because yeah, yeah. at the minute, you know, things are just mad. But then we are coming out with a pandemic, so things yeah. are mad, like, you know. And when you think of that, or do you think you'll do things different? Like, or will you just keep doing the same? I hope you will keep doing the same. But, like, it must be a challenge, obviously, to take on the added duty, responsibility, but to also be yourself, continue to express yourself through your music and your business. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, uh, without a doubt, there's no, there's no case of, like... Um, change what you have to do or change this or change that or reduce your training with Mark or yeah. reduce your lessons or reduce the noise the whole lot the worst thing that, that uh, I could ever do is stop lessons because the because the house ha- has to be quiet keep the noise up you know like mm. bring in this baby into the world into our lives the way that that our lives are yeah. instead of trying to um create this whole different lives that that uh, we don't live just for the baby so I can think that that mm. you know so yeah. I I just that's not what we would want to do you know but it's yeah do uh, you, you know what uh, you're kind of you're kind of put me to the test these are the like first time that I'm actually saying these things out loud it's mm-hmm. actually quite nice thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it seems to be taken granted but like there's a change there and like I, it's it's very important I think that like when we were with Liam Byrne that was the first time I thought Jamie this man can you know it is possible the dream is possible you can live your own life while being an example to your family and you know try and you know, stack your priorities right, but be able to, you know, have a life um, that that you can bring with it and be a strong example to your offspring. I, yeah, and I and, and I think I was actually talking to someone last night, and uh, uh, actually a couple, and him and her were like talking about you know having kids, and they were like, congratulations, and what do you feel about so and so, and this and, that and the other, and sure, you know, more pregnant now for the last should be 34 weeks now on Monday and uh you know you're kind of like you're telling them oh don't worry whenever this happens and this happens sure we're pros now like and we're not like like I guarantee we're gonna have the baby come home and put it there and go what now <laughs> what do we do like you know um is there a manual <laughs> you know uh, but uh but they were like we have such a fear of missing out and it's kind of like but what age and they're like we're 29 I was like we've done nine ten years of messing anyway like you know and i think it is you know it's uh the whole like pe- people have such a fear of missing out because of kids and stuff mm-hmm. i don't because and i guarantee it those same people will turn around and go and the lads ask you to come out for beers and pizza right and you have your little baby there he goes every single day you'll choose this over going out with the lads it's great it's everyone goes you'll never you'll never understand the feeling until you actually do. And I, I have no idea the feeling that I'm going to have. But Mark mm. Redmond, actually, congratulations to Mark and Clodagh. Had their babies oh, this morning oh. at Corpus oh, Life. Yeah. Didn't know that. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah. That's some... Wow. Yeah. I, I, I think they had the car seat ready yesterday. Uh, she definitely wasn't um, down in Wexford yet. The car seat was in the back of the car, and I knew that she was due this week. 
and I seen Mark coming down the street and I was like, well, any news? Should Mark be in a mess or like? Yeah. He goes, yeah, I've got the chap in the boot there. What's <laughs> <laughs> your Mark saying that? I took that as if oh, the chap is actually, or the baby was in like the, was in the back seat. And I seen the car seat and I text him. I was like, oh, I'm thrilled free. Mm-hmm. And then Mark goes, for what? And I thought, he's such a messer. Mm-hmm. Shit, they, didn't, yeah. they didn't even have the baby, but they, <laughs> congratulations, they had the baby, uh, baby Adon. Yeah. Adon. Oh, shout out Adon, Redmond. Yeah. That is great. Um, we, we might kick into a savage or, round of Savage or Septic. Um, I'll start with 11.30 p.m. closing. Septic. Yeah, yeah. See, I've heard a lot of older people say, "Oh, but it's great you get home at a reasonable hour." And like, I, I, I should as a young person say, "Oh no, it is septic." But like, it's quite nice to get home and get up early in the morning. It's yeah. This yeah. is a man who doesn't drink. Yeah, <laughs> but still, you're waiting. You're such a cute guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. twenty five <laughs> past eleven out. Five mornings. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, guys. Sorry about that. Um, have but then again, I caught two o'clock is a little bit septic too. It's too early. Or too late. It's too late. Yeah, it's like, the whole next day. Now it? I am, I am coming into the era now of can't do it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'll be, I'll be straight with the public. I'll be straight. I'm a smoker. I smoke my cigarettes on, I, on a Saturday, right? I have me ten or fifteen, right? Mm-hmm. Saturday night over a couple of drinks. I don't smoke until Friday. Can't do it. Like I cannot do it. So half eleven, I probably it probably will grow on me. But half eleven people are saying that except because they're not they're not getting into their heads that if it's closing earlier, you should go out earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah it, so so if back in the day when it closed at two, people went out half nine, ten, giving yourself four and a half hours of socialising. Mm-hmm. People are not going out at nine o'clock and last hours are ten o'clock. Yeah. You know, so it's scheduling. Yeah. Google Calendar, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blue, 7 o'clock and 7 9. Okay. Don't work harder, work smarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the true yeah. Gary B. Yeah. <laughs> Pat's Milan. Savage, I love Pat's Savage. Milan. Savage. Here we go. Oh, yeah. I was nearly ringing Dominic Smith's yesterday for a new TV. <laughs> I, was near, I was great to pull it off the wall. I think he's. He's everything that Kerry should be ashamed of. <laughs> he is. Oh no! I thought yesterday he did the whole. Oh, you did really well. You won the game on your own terms. This is for Tyrone, and then he gave an everything little jab, little jab on the race. Oh yeah, COVID cases. Yeah, very fit for eighteen lads. A little. Di- it's like. Kerry can't stand losing. Like I love, I I think I think Kerry are a wonderful football team. I think they've done great things for like the sport. I think the the country really gets behind them when they're playing in Dublin. Um, but I just think Pat Spillane is everything. I say it again that they should be ashamed. Of. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm so, I'm such an extremist. Like, it's terrible. Yeah, but Pat is the extremist. Like that's uh, I loved him yesterday. He's a bully. Man of the match performance because we're so used to analysis being scripted nowadays. And how could none of that was scripted? It was just pure anger from the bowels of Kerry. You know, it was. I loved it. He's just like now in in saying that um, as a Wexford man, I am a huge Tyrone. Supporter, yeah. I'm a huge. Ty- I mean, the years of Kevin Hughes, Sean Kavanagh, Brian Doher, Peter Canavan. I had coffee with Peter Canavan. That was unbelievable. Oh. I need to cry. How did that happen? Um, I was on a, I was on a tour with um Shalin 
we were doing a tour to schools up in the north and um that's where you get like free carvery dinners in like secondary schools unbelievable mm. <laughs> um and peter canavan was in one of the schools and i went up to kevin and i just goes um did you hear that peter canavan actually works here and kevin goes peter canavan standing right behind you i mean hello peter how are you doing <laughs> connor uh yeah so he's like uh, you want to go for coffee and i was like yeah grand you brought us all down and so sound and then we uh, we went for um Bit of food at lunch then uh, into own Mulligan's Bar then in Cookstown as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big day. Do you remember the the double dummy back in, t- uh, in yeah. 2005? Like, and I think there was a, there was a replay of that match, and uh, Tyrone were playing into the, into the hill. It was the greatest celebration I've ever seen after a goal, and he rattled the net, and the hill was obviously a sea of blue, and the dubs were all like shouting down at him, and all Mulligan just stood there and just goes. <laughs> just threw up his hands at him like oh are such such heroes so I am a little bit biased and probably saying that against Pat Spillane but um, I know you're being yourself that's what we yeah, want here in Savage uh, Septic yeah <laughs> so continue with Savage or Septic Pepsi Max Ooh. surely you're going sa- Savage now Savage ah, I don't know see I have a bad fucking relationship with it like I either drink really? 10 a day or none no, I had a Coke Zero last night yeah but uh, I'm off it again today off Coke Zero. Off Coke Zero. I just remember I had that comfort Pepsi Max with me for like yeah, fucking years. six weeks. No, yeah, well, oh. on and off, six week periods, and then I go off it for years. I'd always have a comfort bottle of Pepsi Max. It's probably bad, like there's caffeine in it. So shortly, that's like, I was definitely pissing a lot. So it's bad. Connor, you wouldn't really be one for fizzy drinks. No, I'm not. No. Um, I can't answer it. I don't want to say septic because I have no opinion on it. But I'm a Diet Coke man. But I'm like Mark. I, I, more had to wean me off the Diet Coke. It was, there was like, we were nearly going down the route of doctors. Like, yeah. It was about three bottles, two or three bottles a day. Right. Like, so it was a litre and a half kind yeah. of a day. Just kind of tried today. Loved one in the morning, loved one in front of the TV, and mm. then one when I was on the go. Whereas, I, I think, but then again, if you're, if you're traveling around like the country and things like that, you go into a garage, you're going to pick up a Diet Coke for going yeah. to have a, a, a water. Like, yeah, all uh, like, Every day. Every single day. And, mm. um, and I started in my early twenties then, and sure, diet didn't sure didn't shape me life. Like I, I couldn't put on weight. Like I couldn't put on weight. But no, it was um. So I can't answer that. Pepsi Max. I would the bucket in uh the bucket of diet coke in the cinema. Oh, I'll have two, please. It's half water, but like the I'll water have, is good. Yeah, to... I'll have two. Yeah, I'll have two of them. That's that's a great show. I it is insane. Yeah, Crystal Swing at the Market House Festival. Septic. <laughs> septic yeah did that happen it did yeah it did yeah it, did, yeah. it happened before like I'm like I've uh, I've got uh, I've got great old friends on the committee and stuff when I was on the committee there for two years and and the whole lot um, it's just it was just a bit it's a little bit too novelty and things like that but uh, I don't know I'll leave my opinions to myself are they they're a mother and son is it and daughter and daughter Jesus Christ like God love that lad is he like married or anything? I don't know actually. Oh. I think he is. I wonder when he come on the pod. He'd be coming <laughs> with the mother on the keyboard. Yeah. Oh, it was some free odd fair to say. There. How did they get famous? Um, was it Earl Ireland's Got Talent or the All Ireland Talent Show or something? was it a TV was show? Was it the talent thing or was it was it stars in their eyes or was the Irish fucking star thing was on TG Car? Was it yeah. the talent show on TG Car? They were on. Oh, uh, 
What the, whatever we were from? on um, oh, oh I can't think of it your man Jerry your star oh, I don't think they're, they were later than your star your star was great wasn't it <laughs> was that Nicky Byrne your star no uh, no was that the voice oh, <laughs> 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 yeah. Linda Martin yeah and do you remember Brendan O'Connor was that and he was like oh, trying Linda to be Martin. the Simon Cowell he was just negative about everyone and anything yeah, yeah. He's, oh, yeah. he's a human version of constipation isn't he <laughs> <laughs> but he's matured like he kind of had a child with Down syndrome now and that's kind of made him this really lovey-dovey guy and like it's just yeah. like it's it's amazing to witness yeah yeah. I actually have a great story about Linda Martin oh go on I've great I can't tell can you shouldn't but so I will um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember years ago we're, I'd say we're about 12 and 13 and we're out kicking football in Garden City and a few of the lads I would say no names and they're like uh if you had to marry a woman <laughs> off telly, who would it be? You know, and the lads are going around and the lads are like uh, saying a few names and I won't even name them. No. And then it came around to me, but I was getting me programs mixed up and be, uh, I was about 11 or 12 and I'll tell you now, my, my brain isn't great. Like, <laughs> I'm not a very intelligent guy. <laughs> I have an absolute chance. Uh, but um, I got... I was trying to I, I was trying to refer to you on Paul Abdo, right? right? Right. But I was like, oh you're one off pop idol. They were like, Linda Mary, yeah, no, no, <laughs> and to this day the lads are always going, You still into Linda Martin? Stop. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, so Does you Linda saw that. Does Ducks know that? Ducks knows that, yeah, yeah. Ducks Ducks actually tells that story. Oh really? Yeah, she tells that story, yeah. How she tells about it. The inch car boots there. Savage. Savage. Me Savage. Too. Lads who get up on a Saturday and a yeah. Sunday to go out and make a few pounds and loads of it. With stuff they found on the way there. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's paint the picture. You're, you're going by the Londis where you can stop for your chicken villa roll if you like. There's You have to go into the car park and it's one euro to get in and then you've got this, you know, odyssey of dreams, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's, it, but like, you've got lads in England. Um, maybe they're not as... Um, uh, ran into the ground as the inchmark kind, kind, kind of job. But like the lads in England, like I'm massive, massively into, I don't know why, because I've got no interest in the history side of it, but I love Salvage Hunters with Drew Pritchard. Right. Obsessed with it. It's on Quest. I've got like Sky Sports movies the whole lot. I'm still watching the free thing that Sky has uh, given me on the package. And uh, I just found, I, I, I just find it, I love watching lads rooting and coming across yeah. like little nuggets going, oh, this is an 1800. Oh, I love it. I don't think you'll find out the inch market. No. Unless no. you might find like um, a ticket to Crystal Swing back yeah. at like the Garden Arca Festival yeah. in like the next 30 years. Like that'd be a gem. I love the nod and the wink from your man because he had something in the front of his van he wanted to show you. Yeah, yeah. I've got two of them yeah. sticking around. Yeah. Come back to me at five. Yeah. Pelicans, laser pointers. DVDs, pirate DVDs, getting your phone unlocked. What else was there? Chickens. Things at the cancel in Donald's. Yeah. Everybody, is it? Yeah. <laughs> the gone off sweets in Donald's. I got a lot of dolphins there when I was younger, little green dolphin sweets, and my shit was green for a week afterwards. <laughs> it was not written on the packet. God only knows I was in that bag before the dolphins. Like, my wow. God. Mm. So, yeah, that's a little memory. Yeah. Green. Yeah. Uh, did you say savage or what were you? Oh, savage, yeah. Savage, wow. It's an, it's an all-around um, consensus here. Drive-in bingos. I think we've been. 
Not that we as well, you have. Oh, Savage. I have. I've monitored these. Savage. Savage, yeah. yeah. More power to them. Sociable. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I yeah. think. Asher keeps them off the streets, Michael. Mm. <laughs> it's grand, isn't it? <laughs> keeps them out of bookies. Yeah. <laughs> Strawberries from outside County Wexford. Savage. Ooh. We're getting. Mm. We're, we're getting. We're getting we're getting advertisements all all over the country, mm-hmm. and I don't know we we kind of shake our head at it a little bit whenever we go up the country, and that's like, oh, would you be eating strawberries for bacon? We're like, oh, will you stop? Like, we're known for strawberries, class. Like, could be worse. Yeah, things could be worse. We're known for stabbing. Or no? <laughs> there we go. That's <laughs> well, it. Well, Harlan now actually they've turned around. Harlan, yeah, 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 big yeah, time, yeah. big time. Yeah, uh, can you? Septic. Septic. Oh. Especially speed ramps in a speed ramps mm. are speed yeah. ramps in a town like just, oh, just just goes to show how many boy races are in it. <laughs> yeah. the, the county council went, watch this. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put in a motion here now for a for speed ramps. I love the one. There's one that's just paint. It's not a ramp. <laughs> yeah, it's, ju- it's just paint. Yeah, yeah. yeah the round of funds. Yeah. <laughs> it's <a> placebo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cassette tapes. Cassette savage. Savage when they were needed. Yeah. 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 Well, vinyls and CDs and Spotify yeah. all started somewhere. So it's in the evolution mm. of what we listen to yeah. today. Like Extra Vision. Yeah. Oh, Savage. 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 Mm. I was talking about this before on the podcast. Yeah. Wasn't I? That, like there was a whole fucking ritual to it. You know, you go and you pick your DVD and if it's shite, you have to fucking live with that decision. Like. Yeah. So there's more on the line, like your skin in the game there. There's unreal. Yeah. Movie magic before Extra oh, Vision. <laughs> now, now, we're now, now we're talking. You used to go in and get like a... Mer- like, Scary Movie, 18s, American Pie 2, which was like the filthiest one. And mm. you'd be like 12 years of age, you get two for eight euro, bring it back in three nights. Was that the one on Elson Street? No, Elson okay Street one. was the upstairs oh. one. Yeah, that was our uncle Brian who saw that. Oh, oh way. Yeah. What was it called? D-Video, I want to say. Remember. Something like that. Do you remember me? Really? I remember being upstairs. Video, yeah. 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 I, I think, think it was like AV Video or like something. Mm. There's like a letter, letter and video. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was a while ago. That then that then that was like a casino then. Was yeah. it? Yeah. Was that, it? that has a great track, <laughs> track record. <laughs> like that's that's super. Like lads used to be like coming out of the coach house and going straight up like the little remember the little narrow stairs? Yeah. And they'd be going into like the two private poker tables. Ah, oh, they'd be losing their ways. Is that Dr. Follicles now? No, he took them down further. Yeah, if you go down, to I think the, it's a beauty shop. salon or something. Who I goes to Doctor Follicles? <laughs> huh? He's been there for years. But I don't know anyone who gets their haircut by Doctor Follicles. Dara Cullen used to live beside him in Clonmel. Did he? Yeah, when Dara and Anya were building, they lived in Clonmel. Doctor Follicles used to come in, knock on the door, give the, the kids ice pops. Now, Dara, one word out to you in the side there, lad. So he call him Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you, Doc? Dara. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so Eastern. He kind of has that accent that whenever, and I'd say, and I'd say we butcher the accent of Eastern European, mm. but he's exactly what we sound like whenever we do it. You know? <laughs> what would you like? No, he's, he's exactly what we think. Yeah, very strict on the waiting room. If you're not waiting for a haircut, how do you go? I don't. Think, I don't. I actually don't think he likes money. <laughs> I think. I think he's getting free rent. I think he's a millionaire. I don't think I think he open. I think someone. I think he's like the. It's like he's if he's in there like doing community service or something. Like he just hates it in there. Um, but uh, I think serious competition now for barbers. I'm sorry, oh, serious competition. Yeah. You know, and I, I, you know, I, I don't even want to name any because I'm gonna hold mm. that. I'm, I'm going to leave someone really good out. Like so, mm. yeah, yeah. To all the barbers and glory. Big shout out. Crocs. 
Septic. Fucking septic. septic. You, do you still wear? No, no. When yeah. I got with Ashton, that was. <laughs> do you still wear? We went straight for it, like yeah. stabbed in the dark. Yeah. Septic. Do you still wear? <laughs> my God, Mark. You oh, always knew. Wear. I know. I, I told know, him honestly. when he was wearing them. I knew. Well, <laughs> socks with socks? No, no. But I was good for, going you, for um Good for you. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Thank God. I did mature into the ones with no holes. I wore them for a while. They're a they bit better. Comfy. Do you They're know what? Very good, comfy, though, oh, comfort wise. Like it's savage though that some lad is after making a fortune off it though. I yeah, find that yeah. savage. Yeah. I think I think he's laughing. I think he's just like sitting in like his mansion going, knowing <laughs> 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 that it's crap. Like. Yeah, yeah. The education system in Ireland. Septic. Septic. Never liked it. Didn't like college. Didn't like school. Yeah. Move on. We've a lot to change now, don't we? <laughs> we could have a lot yeah. to talk about, but it would be a very short conversation. <laughs> very short. Hot deli food. Hot deli food. Oh, yeah, I used to think it was savage. Now I think it's septic. Do you? Septic, yeah. Why? Well, like, there's just nothing healthy there. No, there is nothing healthy there. You're my personal trainer. You should be down there. <laughs> I had my first jambon there about three months ago. Wow. And I enjoyed it. Never had one. What no. are they? They're a pastry with ham and cheese in them. And they're kind of melted. Like a sausage roll with ham and cheese. Mm. But they're good, like. Okay. But you oh, can't. Right. Uh, very rarely I know I'd have them. Yeah. Ham or brasher's like? Oh, uh, ham. Not proper ham, mm. but uh, even chicken fillet rolls, neither is. No, so you've gone off there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, chicken yeah. Roll, garlic mayonnaise. Cheese. What age you now, Shane? In 22. Yeah, 22. You love good chicken rolls, oh, yeah. especially yeah. on a deal. Yeah. Remember, you can get oh. like, I don't know, like six bags of tail, eight waters, <laughs> and three chicken rolls for like three euro and 11 cents. Yeah, wow, really. those are the days. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, boom times. And finally, on this savage or safety crowd, George Hook. Savage. Ah, yeah, savage, yeah. He caused some drama. Oh, big time, yeah. Yeah, I just love it when, like, everything was, he was just, he was such a pure to Brian O'Driscoll. Brian O'Driscoll could sit on the bench for, like, a whole season and he'd still say, he's he's having a wonderful season. You know, like, it's, he's just, he was such a pure, he was just, he used to just throw his way around so, so much. And then he wrote an erotica book. He wrote two novels. What? Yeah. Erotica. Yeah. Liam Dunn, massive fan, loved the book. If but if you're ever going to bring this into like a higher level, I think you should start reading George excerpts Hooks. out of That's erotica. George Hooks. You know what? Keep going with your septic or sandwich there, and we'll find we'll find an excerpt. Oh, do right. do. Uh, just on George Hook, his most recent tweet said that the world will pay a high price for the U.S. failure in Afghanistan, and he calls Joe Biden a fool. So just thought we keep well, you posted there on what's actually, coming up. I used to work in the bar in Lansdowne Road, oh, yeah. Club, and George Hook gave a speech there one day, oh. and he was like, because he wasn't on the camera, he wasn't on RT, he was so free in his speech, yeah. and he's just like, I well believe you're right, so it's right. And I was like, he was absolutely fucking filthy. And what yeah. he was saying, like he was making he reference. There's books as well, it's, and it's him. Oh, wow. speaking. Oh, brilliant. Like, brilliant. He's so articulate. Brilliant, man. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say he's, a, he's an incredibly intelligent man. Like. Yeah. So he's yeah. incredibly yeah. intelligent. Um, the nine most stimulating lines from George Hutt's erotic fiction. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, I I won't um, continue if I see anything that's just way off the charts um, for our younger audience. Um. Here. That's, oh, I'm actually nervous. I tell you what, I think you. I think you'll be oh, better. Brilliant. All right. I think my uh, my niece is down at the bottom of the stairs at a minute, so we'll give it a minute or two until. <laughs> give it five minutes. We we'll give it five minutes, but just, just have a little glance there, and yeah. just just to see what you're dealing with before you say anything you shouldn't say. But yeah, like I'd say he's severely intelligent. Like. Yeah. 
like he was, he was more just a, more than just a rugby analyst like yeah he just called himself stuff for papers doesn't he yeah but he's kind of retired now that's why I thought it was a good one to throw in there because like um, he's kind of left the public arena but like you know he's still there yeah right so here's number one one thing dominated his thinking outside of that first erection in in the outside toilet of the tenement block he inhabited with four other families <laughs> Uh, it wasn't the act, but the chase, the victory, the heap of clothes on the floor that gave him pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, do uh, do the voice, do more of that, Tony. No, I can't. I can't do it. I'm trying. <laughs> the new night nurse was his kind of girl. She was a size sixteen, and a white starched uniform struggled to hold in her magnificent double D breasts. <laughs> <laughs> ah, George. <laughs> Last night when she bent over to get, <laughs> bent over him to fluff his pillows, he had a glimpse of her little girls. <laughs> oh, oh god am I so uncomfortable <laughs> she was in five inch heels and there was a slash of red on the lovely mouth that opened and muttered the immortal words time for your injections Jeff <laughs> number seven number seven is just he groaned <laughs> look at the photo underneath it <laughs> Slowly and deliberately, she unbuttoned the first four buttons and she saw the wondrous orbs, or and he saw the wondrous orbs. Oh. Wow, way of describing tits. Orbs, <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> Little girl's wondrous orbs. Well done, George. You managed to leave us all speechless. Yes, that was the end of that. <laughs> Savage, wow. there you go. That is savage. There, what a way to close. Savage it. in every, in every sense of <laughs> yeah. the word. It is a bit savage. Yeah. Um, we might look to um, a shout out actually to Colm Turrell, who's recovering in ICU Tala after a load of stone fell on him. He was airlifted to the hospital, and uh, we're thinking of the Colm, the Irish warrior. We wish him all the best from yeah, every so Tuesdays, Colm. and we'll have him on the podcast soon enough. Hopefully. We will. Soon enough. How long have we been saying that? It feels uh, like twelve months. Twelve actually. months. He's been <laughs> busy on the farm for twelve yeah. months. Yeah. yeah. I'd say a year then. Isn't yeah, it's yeah, around the year. Yeah. Well, if the boxing career doesn't take off, or the strongman, or the singing, or something else, we never know what could happen. Speaking of enigmas, let's go to all of the national papers, but especially the Belfast Telegraph, to look at frostbit boy Rory McSorley. He was in the sea for twelve hours and escaped being frostbitten. Um, this is some story. So, like, he was in the water for like twelve hours, but like, what is more incredible by the whole thing is how nonchalant he is about it really did he like, give the interview sorry he gave an interview well, many interviews oh. and even photos of him where he was when he left the sea like left the um, sand to go into the sea um, like he also has worked as a cruise ship entertainer but all that was scuppered because of COVID and he said on his Facebook that he wasn't rescued the Coast Guard just gave him a lift on their way um, like this sort of stuff dolphins were swimming around him after his many hours in the sea and he just saw a lighthouse and he said I'm going to swim to that a bit like Forrest Gump-esque really um, the first thing he asked the RNLI volunteers was would he have to pay for this and then at, while he was hypothermic and had to be hospitalised he said there's nothing wrong with him really and nothing to complain about um, he has a bit of a sore knee and his kidneys were just a, a need a little bit of work um, but he said to the reporter was I frightened fear is all in the mind and it made me wonder, you know, it's Amazing. Rory McSworley's world that we're living in, I think, you know. Yeah. He's, uh, that's just mad, like. He was found as well. Uh, there was where he was airlifted from. He was surrounded by dolphins. Yeah. And he said that the dolphins kind of saved him in like his own head. I think it was like a sense of he'd company. 
yeah. that he wasn't alone and stuff. I think, like, obviously, whenever he came out with the interview and stuff, and you know, people were like, I think everyone kind of like latched on to how funny his accent was, or how strong it was, or the way that he was just so ahead of his time, the way that he spoke and all. But like, he's like, you're just saying that he was, a, I did, didn't know that he was a cruise ship entertainer. He's just the gift that keeps on giving, like, isn't he? He's just, and for a man to say fear is all in the mind, game set and match. But like, it makes you so wonder. Strong. He's hours into the seat. Is it like from that interview? Twelve we don't get, hours. Yeah, that's like two o'clock in the day till two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you think about going out to, to the bridge bar at two o'clock, right? <laughs> yeah, and you All start day. and you start drinking at two o'clock. Yeah, and you don't stop drinking at two o'clock. <laughs> in we won't say any bars for lock-in reasons because yeah. half eleven is closing time, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a queer long time. Yeah. That is scandalous. But like, I don't get the sense that this man was finished. It wasn't like he was saying, here, I'm I'm ready now to go in. The dolphins have me. I'm ready or not. I, he was kind of like, all right, okay. Do I have to go now? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now, is this all show? I, I don't know. It's just well, all a bit mad, really. You're, you're a man for, you know, the strength of the mind when it comes to like your triathlons and stuff. 12 hours in the water to you you obviously have more of a, a handle than I would I think half an hour in the water would put me to bed like yeah. it's not even like it's where he was as well like you know he there was he was four kilometers out in the, four kilometers yeah, like you know there was a he reason dolphins were like, around him no, no 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 like I don't know how you get to stage hours in that you know you don't panic but maybe I don't I don't know. In other quick news, um, Russ Kerr, we were talking about Mayo football. There's Common Herald reports on the removal of a sign. They had there was this, uh, you know, those green arrows that you see in all the signs uh, for Dublin and Ballina. Well, someone went to a lot of effort to put another green one. Sam Maguire, 220, 39 kilometers down the N5. Love it. And but the council said no. Look, we had we allow some signs, but this sign just takes the biscuit. No, we take it down. Council so are some crack, crack. Yeah. aren't they? I say there's some crack at parties. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Kerry man is reporting on last night's game with uh, the headline "Kerry fail Tyrone test." I liked it. Oh, I liked it. Yeah, I love it. Tom O'Neill, our Canadian correspondent, um, has been in touch with us. Thanks for the message, Tom. Yeah, and he sent us a great article about someone that his wife knows. Um, this. Saskatchewan man in Canada who's 34 years old and he has a license for flying helicopters so you know he hopped in his helicopter and he decided to land illegally at an ice cream shop and he went into the ice cream shop uh, blowing dust and debris around a school and he bought himself an ice cream cake well a court appearance is coming up for the man <laughs> so there you are now Jesus what a tale did he get a flake did he? <laughs> <laughs> that's the question here. mad I just want to go back on to how nonchalant you were saying at the start. And I say some funny stories I've ever heard that came out of Limerick. A friend of mine, Jeff Neville, who actually runs a podcast called The Loose Head, if you're big into your rugby, mm. he gets coaches on and he talks about, like, you know, the mental side of rugby and mental health with players and stuff. And things like that. Very, very, very good. So that's The Loose Head with Jeff Neville. Mm. And then um, he's saying that he went to a school in Limerick City and, uh, he said there was one of the lads there he, who was on the team. He goes, he was there because the boys were there. He was a real inner city Limerick lad. But one of um, the other lads 
says to him he's coming down the field and your man is like walking like a real scanger job and your man goes oh look at your man walking onto the field so uh, all nonchalant your man just goes what are you a fucking book <laughs> straight out like you had the, yeah you had the two brain cells now to rub to rub together now what are you a fucking book <laughs> that's brilliant yeah Mark have you got no red up for yeah us? speaking mm. of school actually we have a story about Kevin oh so I'll find Kevin now please this comes from Kevin's teacher. So it's not uncommon as a teacher to have students who are a bit behind the curve in certain aspects. Sorry. But 99.999% of the time they are keen on something. They might not understand how to identify a noun or what a team is, but they somehow know how to make a mean plate of nachos. You learn pretty quick not to judge a fish by its ability on climbing a tree. I thought this was the rule when I was teaching until I met Kevin. Kevin isn't his real name but it doesn't matter because you can't spell it anyway. Kevin was a student of mine during the last year of teaching. He came to my classroom with very little to show for his academic past. He had moved a few times and thus was missing a lot of typical test scores we used to try and ballpark their ability. In brackets, don't worry, it was a ballpark. We didn't make major decisions until we actually had a chance to talk and work with the student a bit. Close brackets. I thought, that's fine. I'll just do some one-on-one with Kevin and see what's up. One-on-one with Kevin was like conversing with someone who'd forgotten everything in a freak, if not impossible, amnesia accident. There was no evidence that he had learned anything past the second grade. He was now in ninth grade. Flabbergasted, I figured we needed to get more serious with this. If he was going to be in my class, I needed to know why and how. I I decided to meet with him, his guidance counselor, his parents, and another teacher to see what was really going on. This is where it all became clear. It was by some incredible fluke that his family hadn't been wiped off the face of the earth years ago. Odds are his entire heritage is based on blind luck and some type of sick divine intervention that saves his family every time a threat presents itself. Kevin was the genetic pinnacle of this null achievement. Even my instructional lead, a woman who was who could find a redeeming trait in a ball rag, I don't know what that is, failed to see any reason for this kid or his family should be alive today. So here's a list of events that made it abundantly clear that God exists and he's laughing uncontrollably. Kevin frequently forgot where his class, when or where his class was. On more than one occasion, I had to retrieve him from other classrooms. Kevin ate an entire 24 pack of crayons, puked, and then did it again the next day. This is ninth grade. I have no idea where he got crayons. Kevin's dad wrote tuition checks and mailed them to me, his English teacher. There was a public school. When I gave it back to Kevin, voided to give to his dad with a brief note explaining that this is a public school, Kevin got in trouble for trying to spend it at a 7-Eleven after school. Kevin was removed from the culinary arts program after leaving a cutting board on the gas stove and starting a fire twice. Kevin threw his lunch at the school resource officer and tried to run away. He ran into a door and insisted it wasn't him. Kevin stole my phone during class. I called it. It rang. He denied that it was ringing. Not that it wasn't his. Not that he did it. No, he denied that the phone was actually ringing. (laughs) He tried it three more times before the end of the year. Kevin called the basketball coach a motherfucking bitch during gym. Basketball tryouts were that afternoon. <laughs> Kevin tried out. It didn't go well. Kevin's mom could never remember which school he went to. She missed several meetings because she drove to other schools, none of which he ever went to. Kevin tased himself in the neck before a football game. <laughs> Kevin kept a bottle of orange Kool-Aid in his backpack for about four months. He thought it would turn into alcohol. <laughs> he drank it during homeroom and threw up. Kevin said the N-word a lot. Kevin was white. The high school was 84% black. Kevin got beat up a lot. <laughs> Kevin stole another, another student's iPhone and tried to sell it back to them. <laughs> oh, nice. 
Kevin didn't understand that his grade was dependent on tests, quizzes, homework, classwork, and participation. Kevin finished his first, sem- his first semester with a 3% average. He tried to bribe me with $11. Kevin spit on a girl and said, you should get out of those wet clothes. <laughs> oh. The girl was a Spanish student teacher. <laughs> Kevin didn't know dogs and cats were different animals. <laughs> Kevin tried to download porn onto a computer in the library at the circulation desk while he was logged on. Kevin asked the girl to prom. He was in ninth grade and freshmen didn't go to prom by asking for her phone number and then texting her his address. (laughs) Kevin got gum in his hair constantly. Kevin regularly tried to cheat on his assignments by knocking the pile over, grabbing one before I had picked them all up and then writing his name on it wherever there was room. Kevin had several allergies, but neither of his parents nor he could ever remember what they were. They were concerned that the holiday party, it's high school and we don't have those, would have peanuts. When they finally got a doctor's note, he was allergic to amoxicillin. Kevin and his parents took a trip to Nassau. How the fuck did they even get airline tickets? And forgot all their luggage at home. I didn't believe him when he told me until I talked to his mom, who told me first thing when I saw her at the bi-weekly meeting. Kevin's grandfather apparently died in a chainsaw accident. I can only assume God was looking the other way that day. Wow, that's, that's some that's Reddit. That is unbelievable. That's who wrote that? Mm. And that's special. Who, who has the twisted mind to write that <laughs> about your student? I have another one now about a coconut that isn't very safe for work. Can we go ahead with it? Yeah, always. Right, you shouldn't, so you will. Come right, job. <laughs> so. Anyway, around eight years back, I lived in northern Mozambique, a coastal southern African country with a quite warm climate. Climate. My mother at the time was going through a healthy nut phase and only buying foods she deemed healthy enough. One of these was coconuts. She would buy several coconuts a week to use in food from the local market. Anyways, being a horny teenager, I fapped in regular intervals. Unfortunately, there were some severely stressful examinations coming up for me, and as such, my fapping reached a higher peak than usual, and I was feeling pretty sexually frustrated. One day I hear that my mother is going to be out for pretty much the entire afternoon. Horny me decides that it would be a fantastic idea to fuck a coconut. Honestly, to this day, I can't fathom why I thought that would be a good idea, but my train of thought back then was clearly somewhat clogged. I ended up grabbing the coconut drill and I ended up grabbing the coconut drill and through 20-ish minutes of concentrated effort, end up creating a hole large enough for me to stick my porker into. <laughs> I decided it required some lube and grabbed the nearest slippery thing, some butter, before shoving it into the coconut. Followed shortly by my meat. I fucked the coconut and it actually feels pretty damn good. So I love my load, shove the coconut onto my bed and continue my day. For the next week, the coconut is my savior. Whenever I want to get off, I simply take it out and fuck it in its delightfully tight hole. Made better each time by ac- accumulating volumes of semen and butter acting as a lubricant. It's heaven. Now I continue, I'd best mention that at this time our area was experiencing quite humid, muggy weather, which exacerbated an already existing fly problem. Disgustingly flat, bloated flies were commonly found around our house and and the exterminators couldn't really do anything because it was a localised area problem and it would go away in the winter. About a week and a bit after the initial coconut incident, uh, I begin to notice a few more flies than usual as well as an odd, unpleasant smell in my room. Must be the coconut, right? So I decide that I'll fuck it once more and throw it out before I get a new one. Worst mistake I ever made. You see, the reason for the increased number of flies was that the coconut was evidently, in hindsight, a nearly perfect place to lay eggs. As I penetrate the coconut one last time, I feel a strange wriggling sensation. Puzzled, I pull my cock out to discover that it is covered in rotted and moldy butter and semen 
and teeming with tiny fucking maggots. Oh my God. They were wriggling all over my dickhead and some were even trying to force their way up into my urethra. I screamed and threw the coconut against the wall, which made the situation worse by spilling the contents. Hours of vigorous cock scrubbing, vomiting and cleaning the remnants were spent reflecting on what the fuck I was doing with my life. Never again, never again. TLDR, don't fuck coconuts. Wow. Savage or something. Uh, the lesson is savage though isn't it it's a <laughs> I think we, can all man's life. we all learned something here today I think yeah I don't know it's, oh, what well, do you think savage or septic my existence has changed um, that is septic it's septic it's, I, I think the maggots now was you get that image of it being thrown against the ball as well yeah yeah tough going yeah so anyway, this has brought us places, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, what more can we say? Only, um, oh, did you see we got a letter uh, there from an anonymous guy? Yeah, I was, it was, uh, there was like, a, there, there was like a tag going across like some of the page and I was trying to, to kind of look into it, but it was, it was very good. The, the yeah, I had to censor some of it now. Just, just okay, for, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, the, the, some of that was on purpose. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was, it was very clever in, in its expression and yeah, uh, it described you as the Sistine Chapel, and you know, it was very kind of Paper Tuesday's esque type of humor, yeah, right, and the color, the writing, and stuff. Yeah, it was, yeah, I, yeah, it was nice, yeah. Do, do, do you know, um, no, no, but we were on the hunt. I have a few crews that I'm investigating, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like this to become a thing now. If Sicario, Sicario, if you're listening, continue to engage with us and maybe stop the killing, stop the killing, <laughs> yeah. uh, known for killings in the 60s and 70s. So. There you are now in Gory. So, um, Mark uh, or Connor, um, a businessman you are. Are you a dreamer or are you practical? I'm both. You have to be a dreamer. Sure. Okay. Yeah. You don't like like what we said at the start was always wanting to be better. Like uh, never been the best. Always wanting to be better and stuff. I, you have to be a dreamer then. Yeah. You know, I've all, I always dreamed. You see, I was very like, I was very practical. Like, I knew what subjects I was going to do in secondary school when I was in second class. I knew I wanted to do woodwork, art, and music, and that never changed. It was kind of like that's what I'm going to do. So it was very practical. Mm. But I always dreamed of having a business, or I always dreamed of like setting up some like sticks and clicks, or or dream of going on tour. And I did all them things. And I think you do have to to fancy yourself like as well to do these things you yeah. do you have to you, you, you have to sell yourself you know mm. and like you know that from going to business like with fitness and your marketing and things like that and you know yourself when you're representing like james and stuff and things like that and you're you have you have to sell yourself and i think a lot of that comes with dreaming and it reminds me of a good story where tommy's hearing was on the radio one day and he says he's over the under 12 footballers back in Barna and one of the managers goes up to Tommy and he points at one of the lads and he wasn't much of a footballer he goes just look at your man God he's such a dreamer isn't he and Tommy just turns and goes she's a brilliant like yeah. isn't that great sure maybe he's right oh he's yeah, dead yeah, right yeah. don't beat it out of him don't beat him be I think if people are just so practical all the time and structured and yeah, yeah like I find like some people are kind of harp on about the whole scheduling I know I'm kind of going back and I said like I'm very scheduled and all but it's some people are like so practical everything it has to be like yeah but is that should you and it's like just loosen up a bit you know dream a bit you know um 
Walt Disney has all of his quotes about dreams and stuff. And sure, look at him, he's still making money and he's in in the ground years, you know. <laughs> so why not? He's not in the ground though, is he? He's in a fucking freezer. Is he? Go away. Walt Disney's frozen. Did, no, you don't know that. Disney's frozen. Frozen. Yeah. You freeze yourself. When they get a cure for death. Uh, no, probably not. No, no. He's in a freezer. So what happens like when they bring him back? Then he's just fucking. It's two hundred years old. <laughs> he's not confirmed. See, there's a theory now that like when they the whole movie about Frozen that was created. So that when people search on Google Disney Walt Disney Frozen, that's what comes <laughs> up and not the whole conspiracy. <laughs> Frozen yeah. Disney World. Brilliant. Love it. Corporate. I think it's Frozen. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, a dreamer. Yeah, um, I want to ask you how you're feeling this weather. Uh, you look a lot fresher than when we met for episode 15. And do you feel fresher? Do I feel fresher? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I do. Like, I, um, it's it's just, yeah, I look at, I took in my early 20s uh, till I was about 26, 27. Um, I kind of always, I always, I, I, I never had the battle with like, weight and stuff and things like that and sure socialising and touring touring is an awful thing if you don't look after yourself like on like yeah. the road it's like what we were saying about the deli counters and running straight in there with septic sure that was my breakfast lunch and dinner was deli yeah. counters and yeah I just I I hadn't moved I hadn't played sport for 12 years like and I'm back sure. playing football now with Navena um, with Mark three days a week for personal training and uh, yeah just yeah, feeling fresher. I think it's the fatherhood thing. I think the structure is starting to slowly kind of ease in. It's like I just don't want to be. See, yeah, always hear that whenever, whenever the baby starts feeding and gets a little bit older, you start eating what they're eating and things like that. And sure, you could be doing that all day, like you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah, I feel I feel better, but I think it's not even about looking better or losing weight and staying fit. I think it's 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 good for good good for your work it's good for your mm. relationships with uh, with your clients or with your family and things like that i think that's that that's that's the key to all just being in better form mm. you know which is um which is kind of a one i go back to james morden's uh, uh his advice at the end of his uh episode which he um he said have you got anything to say and just drink more water and do some more exercise lads and you'll, and you'll feel the better of it something so simple and he's right like yeah, that kind of hit home because I remember James went on like the the whole fitness thing as well during the lockdown, and he looks he he looks super now. Yeah, but that kind of when I listened to that episode, I kind of thought, Jesus, I think I think I should go out with myself. And I hate I hate running. I hate it, but I went out and I did it, and it pays off. And like I said, better form. Yeah, you know, and during a lockdown, crazy staying to bed till half twelve, very easy, and do work on your phone. Yeah, oh my god. Yeah. With the blind down, yeah, get up and get going. Yeah, in like Mark gets up at I don't know at like four in the morning. I I, I remember I said to him I was like, "Gosh, I'll drop down to you early in the morning." And Mark was like, "Your early is not my early." <laughs> <laughs> and now, like I'm in with Mark usually at half nine. That's like the middle of the day to you. Mm. You're getting ready for dinner. So <laughs> half nine, yeah. but yeah, it's great. Yeah, look at we we've had all this time to kind of either reskill, upskill, get fit and do all that. So I took advantage of the time that I could do it. Yeah. You know, so right. yeah, thanks. You're looking great. Yourself. Thank you. Excellent. All thanks to Mark Halpin Fitness with his yeah. personalized body bro gear in fairness. Yeah, that, nice. that was gifted Looks to me there during the week. That's unreal. That in a hoodie mm-hmm. as well. So thank you to Brendan and Orla and Avian for that. And nice one. Body bro, 
Ben and all yeah. lads in there. That's the stuff. Um, have you another Reddit or will we go to Flash? I do have one more Reddit. Go do you want to use it? Yeah. yeah. Right. Let's see what we have here. Also, we have an option of two now. We have a long one or a short one. We have Monkey Business or we have the Fart Assassin. Oh, <laughs> fart Assassin. Fart Assassin. Yeah. Right, this is the longer one. You now. know you're too old when farts <laughs> become... Always to go soon. Right. We'll read this and then we'll go. Right. Right. I have a, a book in, in Seafield. Right, so if I decide to stare, it's usually with a, yeah, what the fuck are you going to do about it, look. I'm six foot seven, so even trying to be friendly, i.e. not farting on a stranger's kid's head and meeting a family member or a friend's kid for the first time, I've noticed they get very high between their mother's legs, intimidated on sight if I'm not sitting down. So it's hard for me to silence slash intimidate, so it's not hard for me to silence slash intimidate a child, especially when I'm trying to. However, a few times I've been called out. One time I was pretty drunk with a friend at Target, so Target is like, pets or whatever in america yeah. uh buying risk uh i know we weren't we never finished playing the whole game risk is a board game i think uh this little mexican five or seven year old with a mohawk was being an insufferable little shit in the action figure section i heard him from like five aisles over and it was like nails on a chalkboard i tell you my friend i oh know i tell my friend i'm gonna fart on this kid's head watch and learn I saunter on over to the island question and see the vile little prick calling his mom an idiot for not buying him a huge fucking G.I. Joe the movie vehicle, which pissed me off even more considering how awful that movie was. <laughs> I already bought one for you and you broke it by throwing it down the stairs. Shut up. I need it. It's the only one I don't have now. The mother was younger than me. I'm in my mid-twenties and she gave me a defeated look. I don't have enough. Oh, no. She gave a defeated look. I don't have enough money for this right now. You are an idiot. I continue to just braid and continue to just braid and publicly shame this woman. At this time, I was on a strict Chipotle burrito diet, and while I was watching all this, my stomach gave the initial warning gurgle, very courteous stomach, telling me I was about an hour away from punishing the toilet. Serendipity, destiny. <laughs> I inched closer to my prey, inspecting some wrestling toys and pondering the weird homoeroticness of the whole sport in general. The kid shouts, fuck you, I hate you. The mom rolls her eyes and turns, back, turns her back to the kid to ignore him. And could you believe it, this kid gets on his hands and knees and starts taking the toy out of the box. It's time to go, motherfucker. <laughs> I position my back towards him and point. I position my back towards him at this point and I'm like two feet away from him. His head is down, frustrated, and those goddamn, with those, getting frustrated with those goddamn twisty tie things, I go in for the kill. I bend down to reach for one of the toys on the lower shelf. At this point, my ass is inches away from this kid's head. Now, generally speaking, the best way to go about this is act casual, drop your belly bomb, and then walk away a few seconds later like nothing is out of the ordinary. I usually go one aisle over and listen to the kid's reaction in delight. <laughs> However, I couldn't help myself today. I have my head tilted back looking at this kid out of the corner of my eye to ensure accuracy. I'm so close from, from a distance, it looks like I'm about to sit on him. My friend sees this happening and can no longer contain himself. He's covering his mouth, but his hee-haw hyperventilating donkey chortle is fairly audible over the late 90s pop music playing over the loudspeakers. The kid immediately looks to up towards the laughter, but can't help notice there's now an ass directly in his face. <laughs> now I'm trying not where is it? Uh, now I'm trying not to laugh, but also panicking as I just made eye contact with him. He furls his brow, and I look over in the mother's direction, still back towards us. I relish in the moment and look at this child's confused and naive face. The initial blast was mighty and boisterous. I swear I saw his hair blowing in the wind. If I wasn't wearing jeans, I think I could have probably blown over an empty soda can. I would call it a very funny fart. However, immediately followed that was a chamber of dry air horn squeals to a nefarious hissing Memphis. I think the little Muppet noticed the hateful metamorphosis before I even did and wretched his neck violently trying to get away from the 
poisoned evil being fumigated into his soul. Because of his positioning, hovering over the toy hands and knees, it was all in vain as the only way out was forward, and forward would mean certain death. I positioned myself on a higher ground, free to escape or relent any or relent at any time, and him, poor and immobilized, biding his time until his cruel attack was over. Obviously, this child needed to read Sun Tzu. In total, it lasts about four seconds, but for that kid, it must have seemed like an eternity. The long-term severe brain damage, which he no doubt suffered, only added to that effect. When I finished with my business, there was a silent, pregnant pause. The kid was clearly shocked and stunned. No one had ever stood up to this dwarf sociopath in his whole life. I had taken the words right out of his mouth and filled it with fart. I make my move first, picking up the toy I was reaching for off the low shelf and take a few steps forward and stare at it for a few seconds. On two Mississippi, the only thing the kid could manage to do was burst into tears. My friend senses danger. The jig is up and he heads and his head darts for cover. The mom turns around to see her kid with an open toy crying on the floor and me minding my own business. She walks up to him and asks what's wrong, but the kid can't speak. All he can get out is wow, 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 wow. It took every fiber of my body not to laugh. I put the toy back on the middle shelf, turn around and give a final nonchalant look and then begin to take my exit. Sensing that the assailant was getting away scot-free, he somehow managed to compose himself for a moment. He shouts, he farted on me. <laughs> I could feel him pointing at me, but I continued to act like I was just browsing and was almost around the corner when the mom goes, excuse me, sir, sir. And I turned around nonplussed. Who, me? While pointing to myself. Yes, did you just fart on my son? <laughs> Weighing up my options, I played dumb. What? I mean, I did fart on my son. Well, I mean, technically speaking, I mean, what is on? But did you fart on my son? At this point, little kid has a look of shodden fraud on his face, happy to see me in trouble. Fuck you, I'm a man, I will fart on you if I please. I turn my attention to little kid and stare at him because this whole store could hear him being a little rotten asshole to his mother, so I thought I'd come over and treat him like one. The mom looks at me, her son, and a scattered G.I. Joe rapper's box on the floor. The mom is puzzled as to what to do and says, just, just go. That's my cue. I turn around, walk away at my little extra step. I look up and see the black orb of security cameras and the stories of Reddit about unjustly having to register as a sex offender flash before my eyes. <laughs> as soon as I turn around the corner, I book it outside as fast as I can while dialing my friend. Like a true friend, he is right out the front with the engine running and risk in the trunk. We laugh on the car ride back about the whole scene with a slight hint of seriousness in his tone. My friend asked me, do you do that a lot? I said, ah, not much, like once every six months or so. We both knew I was lying. We got to our friend's house, played Risk until four in the morning while drinking scotch. Overall, I'd say it was a pretty good day. Wow. That's brilliant. That's a great story. And on that, I hope this will leave you. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Right, well, thanks, Connor. See you, Michael. Thank you, Mark. Enjoy. Enjoy. They're going to uh, Seafield. Yes. Yeah, nice or, one. Mm. Just me and you. Yes, indeed. Well, Dream there's only team. one way to do it Dream together. Team. Connor, we just have a flash flood. As I'm not happy, there is a certain Irish band gone missing over the last couple of years, and I don't know where they retired, where they did, have they fell out, or what. It can't be heard on their airways. Very hard to find any of their music. But I say, bring back the Saw Doctors. Oh. I want you to make a personal mission Ooh. to go and find the saw doctors. They're lost. They can't be found. Bring them back. Need more cracking divin and tell them lads. Son, they were they were great men for the for the sunshine music. Bring them back. Interesting, interesting from flood there. 
Yeah. Wasn't expecting that, Connor. No. Very calm. I think they've taken a Very break. Very calm this week as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's building up a bit of... He's not angry suspense. this week. He's disappointed. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the worst thing that you can you can get off anyone. It's like, I'm not angry at you. I'm disappointed at you. Oh, no, don't be disappointed. Yeah, it's, yeah. He's very disappointed this week. Uh, yeah, well... But he uh, hits on something there with radio. Like, Sunshine music. Me? Sunshine music. Yeah. Yeah, open top down. Got, got, uh, I tell you why the Salt Lafters aren't, aren't being heard. Because they're not paying their PR to get them out on radio. End of story. Mm. You know, right. there's no there's no funds behind it. Like, what strikes me though, with music on radio stations is you know you know what they're going to play. Like, there's no variety because it's so all kind of they're, designed. Their priority, their priority listing. Like, so yeah. if let's just say you are a local band, so you're only county wide. You're not even nationwide. You're county wide, yeah. and you want to get into South Australia. Mm. They'll look at who's going to listen to who more. You know, they have like Rihanna, Lady Gaga. Uh, the Verve and my uh, the Briars, right? Your band being the Briars, so they'll put like five stars on the three top ones because they're like just huge money going behind those songs. But then they've got your funded song, and they'll say, right, we what? We'll give them a play. So they won't give them plays. Like so, it's always every single day, everything is looked at as in like radio stations won't just play anything. Mm. That's why I got from like radio stations. They say, oh, we have you listed there now as a five star just for the week though. So it's money, yeah. It's, yeah. All, it's all money, but yeah, um, yeah, he's right. Where are the saw doctors gone? Because yeah. I thought they were kind of fairly active up until recently. Like you know, yeah, they've such the fans are still there. Oh god, yeah. Like think about the saw doctors playing it at the next, I don't know, ten Mayo festivals when yeah COVID opens up yeah. the arts. The green and red of Mayo being played yeah. down through the streets for the whole year mortgage sorted you know they'd be sorted like <laughs> yeah. um, like uh, I remember seeing them recently they were all fairly hard enough they were mid 50s yeah to, yeah to late 50s and they were playing at like the county jersey nights in St. Pat's and stuff yeah the academy yeah very good but yeah it's uh, yeah it's sad not to hear but sure then again where's like the Sam Smith gone mm. there's a lot up at the top who you never hear now and Adele yeah, you know, people like them, you know. But then again, he has a point. Solid. Right? And Ed Sheeran only coming back into it there, is he? Yeah, Ed Sheeran is. Uh, he's comfortable, but I think Ed Sheeran is. I'd say, I'd say he works. So like so much, like I, I was watching behind the scenes with him, Foy Vance. You know Foy Vance, no Irish singer. Um, he's from the north. Uh, he was he he rode Galway Girl with them, and they're out in like this beautiful spot, it's like a golf course. Um, and they're just out and they're, and they're they're kind of humming in hand through uh, Galway Girl oh god that is that like that's such a difficult place to be in like when you're stuck on a lyric or you're stuck on a rhyme or you're stuck on a word and people are like oh god the lyrics they just seem to flow yeah but he probably was like sitting there like that for about 24 hours going what rhymes with Galway you know what I mean like that is yeah. That's a mind-numbing place to be in. Mm. Like, he's always writing. He's always writing. Yeah. yeah, I heard a great thing as well that they they bring a box of Lego around. So whenever the producer is playing away and the manager will just throw the Lego on on like the floor, Ed Sheeran would sit down. He'll just play away and he'll he'll just rap away and he'll just yeah, he's big into Lego. Like, that sure didn't he write an That's album Lego called House. Lego Lego House? Lego House is the song. Yeah. So there, so there you go. That's yeah. a great story. Yeah. I read um. 
we'll take a put it on my Insta at the time. It, um, there was a Sunday Times interview with him or something, and um, he talks about being in this African, like some place in Africa, and he just spent a day chanting or a whole night chanting this song over and over. Like you got this, like you know, he just loves music and the writing of it, doesn't it? Like, but like also as well, do you know who wrote or who or who orchestrated the orchestra? You could say, um, can or he he, he transcribed me, he composed and transcribed the music for perfect was his brother. His brother is like a like like top class, like top drawer, like lad who transcribes music, which is an incredible job. Like, so if you say I'm a trombone player, he'd have to write it out in a trombone style. Does he work with him a lot? I don't know whether about the whole a lot part, but the two he's he's the spit of him, except he has like brown hair, but like two of them are working in studio together and there's such a lovely relationship and you know I'm I think it's just the two of them as two boys and I kind of and I kind of like that because I I come from a family of just myself and Dahilak and uh, they seem to get on really well where they just had like an unbelievable take with this 60 piece orchestra and the brother just turns to him and goes it was a good idea he goes it was a great he goes it was a great one he goes thanks a million and it was just it. I, they're just so talented like they're yeah. just blisteringly talented yeah. like they're so good. Um, I don't know. Now, I wouldn't go to many gigs, but I saw them in Phoenix Park. And, uh, for most of the concert, it was just my mouth was open. I just I just found it's it. Crazy how he can put on a show with just a guitar on him. Yeah. Yeah, and The Loop. And, you the know, Loop. Thing. The Loop is a band. You know, people go, you know, do you not think he'll ever go? But maybe that's why he is Ed Sheeran. Like, people, you know, you kind of get a lot of the haters then kind of, I hate using that term, haters. I feel like a, like a YouTuber. Um <laughs> like the, the people who don't like him and they're like oh he's only doing like a one man show because then therefore he doesn't have to pay his no, that, no that's 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 not the case like, mm. like I'll tell you straight out Nathan Carter gets paid about a hundred times more than what his band does he, each night mm. I know that the lads are on a, all on a flat feet but he's Nathan Carter yeah his sales can his, his wage can change and stuff mm. he's on chronic amount of money Um. But uh, yeah, Ed Sheeran on his own is incredible. I remember uh, Maura went to see him live and she was like a little bit apprehensive going, guitar and just him. She goes, best thing she's ever seen. Like, incredible. Um, Christy Moore is a very good one. I only yeah. noticed that Christy Moore is actually a gig that people should put onto their bucket list. Whether whether you're That's into or, or not. Yeah. You're not just watching a musician, you're watching someone who is um, he's doing like three or four things at once. He's storytelling, he's expressing emotion. He's singing and he's just, he just has you captured like for yeah. a whole two hours. There's not a word said, not a word said. Like. Yeah. And some, he's very good with social issues as well. You know, some of the songs there about mother and baby homes and stuff, they're, they're on the button. Like, um, have you gone? Yeah. 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 But um, I, I didn't know, and I haven't seen it. There was an RT documentary about him recently and it was only in the run up to that. I realized he's 74. You would not think that man no. is anymore. You think he's in his sixties and doing fine, man. Life. Like yeah, yeah. Like when when we seen him, we kind of you know when people kind of kind of change, you kind of go, oh, he got old. He's got old. But like I wouldn't put him himself for. No. no, no. I think he's he's, he's still going. Like yeah, yeah. I think 
I doubt he's like inundated with gigs and stuff. I'd say he goes, I'll do me four gigs a year. Vicar and Street. And yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, very good in Vicar Street. I we yeah. passed a nice album at Vicar Street. Man. It's just a perfect venue for me. You know, it's that perfect kind of, venue. That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, that's class. Yeah. Very good. Connor, have you any closing thoughts for us? Um, no, not really. I want to ask you though. Oh, go on. Right. Okay. Now that or let's go on. I've all I was thinking about this recently, and I just, I don't know maybe it's the being with Mark or getting a little bit back into fitness and trying to push myself and all. But how do you push yourself coming into like eighty percent of your triathlons? What's going through your mind like when you want to give up, but the body's or the body wants to give up, but the mind can't? Yeah. What's that battle like? Um, I did a half marathon yesterday, and that was far that is, tougher. That is than, mental, oh, really? <laughs> that is far tougher than I felt. I have been floored since. I and part of it is because I did no training to it. Like I just kind of okay. said I wanted to do, but um, I've discussed this with Mark before, and I'm a devil for imagining people are talking so Larry O'Gorman was my figure yesterday and when I was hitting low points in 14 kilometers 17 kilometers Larry O was saying to me come on brother come on brother you yeah, can do yeah, yeah. so I had to talk to myself like that and I just find the whole process fascinating like because around seven or eight kilometers I was loving life I was skipping I was thinking this is great yeah. I'm, I'm going to fight this yeah you're that, that like... didn't last long you know okay. <laughs> so you have that high around seven or eight kilometers and then yeah then you have a slog no like my time was great it was two hours 25 but like it was more wanted to get it on yeah. like there were points near the end where like I was always of view like David Goggins he says that when you feel pain that's when your body is saying you're 40% there there were times yesterday that I was just like no, I'm going to have to walk a little here now. And, you know, did you walk blackberries? Oh, I walked for a few hundred meters all right near the end. So like, it's not a proper one, but like, yeah, I, I just, I was floored. So I don't like. It's a tough, it's a tough, it's, um, it's hard to give in to the walk too, because your rhythm has changed. Yeah. Your confidence kind of goes a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying this from experience. I'm just kind of guessing yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If, if this is the thing, like, but, uh, like I did, I did 5k when I started in 5k's and I, I remember saying to one lad, I was like, I can't do it straight. I can't do 5k. He goes, you can. He goes, the reason why you can't is because the minute you stop, you go, the blood flow just, everything just becomes so dead in like your legs whenever like you're walking. He goes, yeah. the more you keep the heart rate going, he goes, keep the rhythm going. He goes, even if it is at a slower pace, keep that running movement going. Like, yeah. But um, reserving energy, like what's, what's that? Like, you know, like I remember like watching the Olympics and someone was, they're doing like the power walking. And uh, your man stopped. He went back to get his hat, and then he went back again. And the commentators again said he's used like such, um, what could you say, such vital energy there in like turn around. He's lost out in three or four spaces or three or four places, and now he now he's to get himself back into the race. Like something so small, wow, is like, oh, is it a lot of energy to kind of do something like that? Like you take tie your shoelace, mm. you have to pull in, and like tie like your shoelace and get back up and is that like the only thing i did with that is sometimes when you do actually spend a lot of energy picking your route so you would be better off knowing what route you're going to take now i took a fairly straightforward one yesterday but like i can see i can see oh but there are lads that are at their pinnacle like if i was in more of a rhythm of doing these endurance events then yeah 
but like you'd have to admire like the, I was sh- I'm still that's why I brought so much strength today because I'm still shattered <laughs> from yeah. the event and I think like of think back on um, did you hear Ryan Davin when we had him on like what he did insane you know no, to run I actually only met him beside uh, my health and furniture I was doing a workshop in at the boat place there right and Ryan was down there getting himself a kayak or whatever a boat yeah. and I was like How's it going? He goes, oh, I haven't seen you in ages. How are things? It's good to see us. Like, how are you getting out of this? Getting ready now for this big one. All right. So this was pre his his major success. Yeah. Let's just call it. I, I don't know the actual name of but his success. And he um he was like, I'm just running in. I'm gonna he's gonna teach me how to use one. He hadn't been using one. Like he was getting on the ball like a couple of weeks and got it, learned how to do it, and then he just went for it. He is an incredible lad. He yeah. is incredible. And uh, I remember seeing the video and sure he, obviously he just broke out with emotion. Like, of course he would. That's like talking about like battling and stuff. And you know yourself like with triathlons, but he, uh, I don't know. I'd never do it. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I think, I, I think anyone can do it, but you have to have some strong mind to go, I can do that and I will finish it. It is an addiction though, like, you know, it's it's something, when it gets under your skin, you know, you want, to, it's like, it's like the thing with Mark, like, you know, you get a good feeling out of it and you want that feeling more and more. That's it. Yeah. It's like, uh, um, like I, I was I getting fitter again, like a train and stuff. And I remember saying this to you there recently and it was like, uh, you said, yeah, asked something about like what keeps me going in business or something. And I was like, it's the fear of failing, like. Yeah, like the fear of failing is probably the one thing that gets me up out of bed every morning. It's not about wanting to succeed. It's the fear of failure. Like, So the more you keep away from that, the more chance you're going to succeed, I think. Mm. You can look at it the other way and think like that, but uh, I think that's that's what keeps you going. But like even trying to give up the cigarettes now yeah. is, is so much handier now because I feel better coming out of marks. And then, then you feel like that your chest is in bits. You're like, just give it up. Man. If you're not feeling good, just knock it. But it's only now that I notice that, you know. So um, there's just uh, when you say about the fear of failing, uh, I saw an amazing quote there. Um, yeah, uh, from Rosa Parks. I've learned over the years when one's mind is made up, this diminishes fear. Knowing what must be done is um, does away with fear, and that was. That, that, that did it for me now that that's something that stayed with me because you know it's very easy to let doubt trickle in but then if you look at yourself and decide no my fitness is really important or you know my relationship or whatever it is is really important well then it's very easy then to double down when you know that it is deep down that's your duty that's your calling whether it's yeah. be a father you know yeah that, that's really what distills it i think once you start looking after your, yourself everyone will start looking after themselves yeah like I used to have such tunnel vision about little worries, like I used to like worry about them and trying to fix that over there before I start even looking after myself. Mm. Like you know, get up earlier, go to bed at a reasonable hour, drink more water, mm. simple things like mm. even thing at like that. And whenever I didn't do that, sure, everything just kind of crumbles. Then you have to work yourself back out. Of that once you start looking at like l- looking after number one, it trickles down then and everything is sorted. I think that is like going into work in better form. Yeah. all comes from how you treat yourself like you know yeah. so it's um yeah it's a big one so, it's yeah. a great perspective thanks to shane for his generosity on camera and for robbie for editing all this and putting this together but i have one more question for you connor and you kind of touched on it there um could it be easy, would it be easier for you 
if you were based in a metropolis or in a city and not in your hometown? Would it be easier to have the market there or do you think you're comfortable in doing it in your own place? Um, mm, I probably would be better in my own place and I'll tell you why is because I am, what could you say? I'm a self-made entrepreneur. I didn't go to college to study business. I didn't study marketing. I didn't study advertising. So therefore it works better for me that I can speak directly to the people who I know. So I wouldn't know how to create pipes with marketing and advertising in a city. Whereas being from Gory and working with Gory people, I know what they're looking for because I'm not about to say they're my people or anything, but they're my they're my they're my kind of people. Like it's like if you set up a business, you go to Gory Garden, you do a big event, and you do a promo. You get Connor Stafford in to do your promo. You ring up the Gory Garden, and you start calling your schools or calling your potential customers. In a city, I don't know whether that's the same thing. Like I wouldn't know where to start. If I did do the same thing, if I was in the city, you're talking major money for your rent because you're now in a city. You're talking not even the rent, your rates. You're you're going to have to be. You're probably going to have to get investors. You're talking like huge, like in like just a, a massive inflated version of what I will be doing. So, yeah, I think in time I'd like to be in a city. I don't know, maybe expand and sell up and expand. I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, working local in a town is a big town, though. I, I, I often thought, like, if I grew up in, in a village, like, what I'd be doing, what I'm doing, I'd probably not. I took advantage of the fact that there is, like, 25,000 people living in Gory. Like, and it's boom. It's just brilliant like, to see. 25,000 people in Gory yeah. is a lot of people on our doorstep. Yeah. It's a lot of people, you know. Um, probably the bigger guys who love like business more probably think 25,000 is nothing and stuff because everything is about percentage yeah you know like out of 25,000 people how many are actually going to use your business yeah like, like you, you think about how many people like what percentage of glory goes into pets it's probably a single digit like you know yeah you wouldn't know because there's because yeah. there's so much competition like yeah um but yeah but i think if i was to ever go into a business in, in a, a city i wouldn't create a business that would be a competitor i would create a business that has never been heard of before like a bit like bet bet are the only company in ireland that do what they do they have no competition bet yeah they, they do like they test like um we get this so wrong now so i'm yeah, sorry brendan works for them there like oh there. there's yeah. friends it's like, like it's not like the, the noise test. pollution and not all like the insulation and everything. So like if you're living in an estate, like how much can you hear from the outside? How much can you hear your neighbour? All the kind of like um, quality assurance stuff. So, so sure they test like the vibration and things on that. Like, so like they could test like a particular pane of glass made from X amount of materials and kind of layers and stuff. And they, I remember I actually went looking at a space there at BET and uh Brian Shannon is his name. He's a lovely, lovely lad from Town. Great friends with Her Hermitage Green, a great band that mm. need to get back on the radio along with the mm, 100%. doctors there as well. Yeah. So um, uh, he goes, you could use this, you know, if you wanted to. And I was like, what, what's it like for um, 
soundproof because I have an airplane engine that comes in here to test. Like, and I like that's incredible. But everything's like spray foamed and all. But he's the only one in the country. I remember him saying to me, he goes, don't go, he goes, don't forget like in business, don't go mad into the competition. He goes, go mad into making something that's never been done before. And I thought, such an easier life. Like, you're not like looking at the performance of, of your competitors going, oh, he had a brilliant year that. Just be your own, like, and then wait for the then because if someone else comes in, they have to compete with you up at the top, and you've got years of experience ahead of them, you know. So that's what I would do if I went into a city. It's a different business. So what it would be, message. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I do not know what I would do, but it'd be good. <laughs> yeah, but you've got the ethic, and that's that's the main thing. Yeah, yeah. Connor, it's been class to sit down with you again, and I remember finishing our first one and thinking, "Oh, we'll have you back." But I can say it again, "We'll yeah. have you back." It's yeah, just thanks so very easy me. to chat with you, and yeah. I hope uh, our paper Tuesdays have found it the same. Yeah, thank you very much. We doing one excerpt from oh, Liam. Definitely, go for it. Oh, Liam, you'd like Liam more than Roy Keane. I've got pins and needles in me. Like, let me find Liam. Oh, one second now. Not a good day for poor <laughs> Liam without a back going down. Even that championship, I love it. I love it. Usually whenever I'm just about to fall asleep, I'm just like 20 minutes left on the podcast. I always go just to the end, just to try and find Liam <laughs> really quick. Like. Right, you all. I'll let you do the honours. Uh, 37, I think, is in the number in my head. Go for it. <laughs> While you're finding 37. Um, 37? Yeah, I don't... I just... And pick any paragraph, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, these fine jerseys. I did my actually. I did my uh, half marathon yesterday in the away jersey. Oh, nice one. Yeah, yeah. So, um, are they, they're still available for sale? I'm sure they are. They're available for order now. Actually, they're all sold out again. Yeah, they're flying off the show. So it's so, great. Yeah, they're beautiful. And they're sour. Thank you very much. Uh, someone once told me life wasn't about the size of the dog in the fight more than the, the size of the fight in the dog. It was good advice. All through my childhood, I was quiet and easy going, but deep down, I, I was a fiery little whore and not to be messed with. In sport, I seemed to be smaller than most other, other lads my age, and it took me a long time to find my feet. But when I did, I quickly learned to compensate for those two or three missing inches and found out there were way, there were other ways to make do. I arrived into the world, Destination Gory, on June 12th, 1968, after giving Mam a relatively trouble-free birth. Five siblings had come before me, so there were no trumpet blasts or anything like that. The Duns had seen it all before, you see. So apart from a few strange heads of black hair looking into the cot at me when I came home, I am told it was soon back to your stations. We grew up in that sort of an unfazed environment. Isn't that great? Poor and glory. Yeah. <laughs> That's class. Yeah. 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 He's some man. Yeah. He's a great man. It's a beautiful book. It's very well put together. I'm sure, like, yeah. I know it was with Damien Lawler and yeah. uh, you see, see Damien, he does the post-match interviews with RT at the moment and you you know he's fashioned it. You know, I know it's the yeah. words and all, but, you know, everything about that book, every paragraph we pick, it's just, there's just a rawness the, to it. The back photo is him getting sent off. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's it's the last photo you would think any athlete would put onto yeah. it. But he did because he's leaned on. Yeah. yeah um, I wish he got more of a chance with Wexford at the time. I think he was kind of, I think he he, he was given a, a team to kind of sort out or they just weren't there yet. I just don't think he was given the right time or something. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see him kind of reapply, even go to the back team or something. Yeah. Who's your money on, next manager? I, I'm... You want I'm, Eddie I Brennan? I want Leiden Sheedy. I want Leiden Sheedy. All Sheely. right, okay. Yeah. Now, I don't know how possible it is, but I'm, I'm hoping... Yeah, yeah, 
I don't know why I just think he's a good fit. Yeah, I think I'm a bit of a bandwagoner now with the Eddie Brennan thing. Oh, yeah? I well, just, he'd still be a good one. It's not a bad he one. Got, like. He could have got Leash up off the ground. Yeah. Leash, you weren't you weren't writing Leash off, like, yeah. you know, in the last two or three years. In a, years ago, grand, no bother. You turn up a hat with half a team and you still bait Leash. Mm. You, you have to put you 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 have to play a dry team now up against yeah. Leash. Like, that's serious work. Yeah. So Did you hear the latest rumour? Um, Henry Shefflin, uh, maybe in two weeks' time, if um, I'd say he's having talks with Kenny as well. So that's a class rumour now, but a lovely one to end. Kenny, man, to Wexford. I think that rivalry is dead and gone, though. Yeah, do you think? Which is mad because we had such a rivalry when Kilkenny kept beating us. Is and, it? And now that it's been to and fro, like Wexford have had. A good handful of wins against Kilkenny in the last five or six years. Is that the quality that has come because of that? Now that there's a backdoor, mm. I don't view Leinster the same way now that it's not straight knockout. Not that I ever did, but like you know, I, I think, think there's an All Ireland in that team, and that's why I kind of always, Wexford. yeah, yeah. Well, like if if they're, do you know what? Sit. There's definitely an All Ireland in because coming from a Kilkenny fan, we sat beside a Kilkenny woman uh, for food for the Wexford Clare game, and Wexford were getting hammered. I think eleven or twelve points. Clare went ahead by, and me and David were almost starting to drop our heads and not watch it anymore. And you're one from Kilkenny, and she goes, "Not many teams have the intensity like Wexford do." Now we can't say that because we are so tunnel visioned whenever yeah. we're watching Wexford play. We're literally watching Wexford and Kilkenny get the ball, we just turn away and go, ah, stop, you know. Whereas Kilkenny, whenever they're watching Wexford play against not not even Kilkenny, but someone else, as she goes, as a Kilkenny supporter in the last five or six years, we have never gone to a Wexford game thinking we have this today. Because we never write Wexford off. And the thing that brought Wexford back into that game, and she called it, I have to hand it to her. And I was kind of half throwing my eyes up whenever she first said she goes the intensity that Wexford have is an intensity like no other at all like I think that's why we harp on about 96 so much like yeah it was such a Actually, it was an all iron for the fans like it was an all iron for the fans like you know, it wasn't like all about you know about the Wexford team it was like it was like a family after winning the, the other and like it was just almost like I was four years of age now I don't remember much I was actually in Breed's house <laughs> I remember I was too small and um me, all of the younger, all of the youngins were left behind, and mom and dad and David actually got actually made it up. Uh, he got to go and stuff, but um, it's twenty five years tomorrow that, and like, yeah. but like, there's no, we're never going to stop talk about ninety six. I was, I was no. only nine months old. Well, yeah. it's just something that's it's part of our identity. Like, it's 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 a religion down here. Yeah, yeah, it's it is a bit of a like you'll always get oh, the West for that probably never shuts up about. Wexford win 96 and I won't Yeah, and I won't give up because go back on the highlights listen to the tune and I love that dancing at the crossroads is played in every county like yeah. it's played in every county I remember like lads back in college like DJs going back home doing 21st and all and they'd say what's the name of that band again Wild Swans listen to this back arse of Leitrim at a 21st and they're dun, 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 I was in the Gwail Top um, in fifth year and in Kerry and there was these two agricultural Tipperary lads and 
um, we were on the way back for evening study or something. It wasn't a, it was Bruna Park. It wasn't a normal way. There was no Kayleys and such. Mm. But here I've just this abiding memory of these two lads with the with the phone playing up of Dame, dancing the crossroads and Dame, these Tipperary lads chanting out the names. Dame, <laughs> yeah, you know that's how that's how embedded the song has become. You know, it's, it's amazing. unbelievable. So we got to we Shalin got the second the second year to headline the market fest i'd say it was t- it was 26 it was actually my second last gig with the lads officially we got to do it in gory and we were practicing the week before in kilkenny and stefan goes i couldn't sleep last night so i got up and i listened to the wild swans he goes and i sat down and i listened and i listened and i listened he goes and i got learning it but i didn't learn the words he goes I've learned the chords because you're singing it. I said, like, I'm not. He goes, Key will go on the drums and you sing. So we got to sing it anyway. A bit of a novelty. Like, now we've got seven, we had six lads up on stage who were well able to play instruments. The lads got it out, sat, there was a sax in it, there was mandolin, the, the whole lot. And the minute, like, I wouldn't be much of a singer. Like, I'd be just as good as any of you in a pub now, just screaming it. The crowd, like, rubbed it. Like, the minute they heard, ooh, 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 yeah. off the lads. Yeah. I guess like Gory are still latching on to this 1996 thing, like, and 8,000 people are singing it back at you. Even the kids who aren't even born are, yeah. are singing it, like, yeah. yeah, but, um, yeah, there's definitely, uh, I don't think we can use the excuse to make sure there's not experienced en- enough. I can't, I can't listen to that anymore because that's not a thing. Yeah. So there is an all-earned, but then again, will you ever get as good a chance against the yeah, Prairie in 2019? Yeah. The day two of our wedding was the Ireland final, and more turned to me when they bet Kilkenny in the Leinster final that year. She turns to me and she goes, Ireland's on the 18th of August. And I was like, Yeah. She goes, That's the day after wedding. I went, Yeah. And she goes, We're going to Dublin if I were beat Tipperary. I went, Absolutely. <laughs> I says, I absolutely love you to I says, You mean the world to me. <laughs> this yeah but Wexford on the 18th is going to have to come first and she goes yeah come on we go up to Dublin uh, a few mm-hmm. people were like y- you should have went up in like the wedding dress if Wexford <laughs> had, had gone through and stuff but uh, yeah. Sorry, Bryce made the <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely but like it, it's mad like I was never much of a hurler and stuff but I'm upset and I think people kind of become surprised that I am obsessed with hurling and things like that but I am like I am a I cry in all of a extra match. Like I do. I ju- I just I think it's it's incredible. Like I yeah. think Wexford Harlan is just unbelievable. I'm obsessed with it. Like I am yeah. obsessed. I'd I'd never switch off. Like yeah. never ever switch off. I wouldn't know what to do if I met Liam Ryan or Lee Jin. Like <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So um. Yeah. I'm an odd fan in that. Um. Like Leinster. Leinster semi-final against Kilkenny I wasn't really too pushing to get tickets I, I, I know, it was one of the first games that crowds were allowed and I thought I know people deserve it more the Clare game I wanted to be there I, I was desperate so for tickets I, uh... and it's that feeling that you know this is do or die this is you know y- y- your survival hinges on this result I that. think I think there was a like I'm not saying that that, that there was more support from the Wexford fans I think there was more intense support because we knew that Davy had hung on for that extra year and we knew that this was his last year and I think everyone was just like fingers crossed that Wexford would do well because it was going to be his final year he did a great job I think if anyone talks down about him like you know they're wrong like he is he's he's brought great memories to Wexford 
I forget the Wexford bus coming up and just brushing through like a crowd of people. That's great to be alive for. I, mm. I'm quite jealous of the ones who were 16 and 17 when Wexford came home in 96. Mm. So jealous that I wasn't at an age where I, I was that I was that I could celebrate. Four years of age was on my fat and shoulders, like, you know, big bellow snow looking up at the wild swans up on top of Oscars. Great old times, but sure, then again, what do I... That's all I remember, like, yeah. you know, lads were booking, like, closing up the shop for a week and all. It's unbelievable. It's class, but, uh, yeah, Wexford for Liam. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Even at that. Yeah, Thanks, Connor. Thanks. <laughs> nice one. <laughs>